0: Welcome to the Third Rail Entrepreneur, a podcast about enrichment, enrichment of your mind, your relationships, your body, and ultimately your business via the entrepreneurial path. My name is Alistair MacDonald. Let's get started. Many years ago, as somebody that was working on Wall Street, I had several friends in the industry, most of them scattered amongst the high rise offices of the various firms within the few square blocks of the actual downtown New York Stock Exchange building. One of them worked at the now infamous company Lehman Brothers, a firm that I had a very near brush with myself when I first moved from Africa. Uh, I had a friend who was a partner for a firm named S.G. Cowan, later on consumed by Lehman in a buyout, and he tried to woo me over to work with him. So it was a near blow, (laughs) a near near fatal blow joining Lehman, but it didn't happen. But I had a friend who worked with Lehman, and I would go over on a lunch break and meet with him in the lobby. And what I'm going to share with you is two different stories, a tale, a tale of two different leaders, two completely different leadership styles, and uh, you can... Put yourself in the story and see what you make of it. So this mate of mine that worked at Lehman, I used to, as I say, go and visit him from time to time at lunchtime and we would take a walk and eat some nasty compressed porcine product of hot dogs or what have you and then work our way back to our respective offices. And I was always struck by one thing that seemed eternally present in the, the lobby of the offices at Lehman. That was the amount of people waiting for elevators. There was always people waiting in the lobby. Now, the office tower was, you know, immense, as they are in downtown Manhattan, and there was always this throng of people waiting. And I remember one day saying to my mate, you know, they need more elevators here. And he said, well, we have more elevators, but some of them are off-limits, I couldn't understand what he meant, so he says, come have a look at this. And we walked around in the other bank of, of elevators. One of them was actually closed off. It had a small kind of velvet rope-looking thing across the front of it. And I said, well, they should fix that. He says, no, no, that elevator works, but there's only one person that's allowed to use it. Richard Fuld, AKA Dick Fuld, had taken over as CEO of Lehman Brothers in 1994 and ran the company until its demise. Dick Fuld brought in the whole new era of securitization of debt and mortgages and so forth, and a very, very aggressive trading culture to Lehman Brothers. And it was uh, his leadership that brought, of course, significant profitability to Lehman Increased their iconic status of, you know, titled, they had indices named after them, the Lehman Brothers Corporate Bond Index and so forth, the Lehman Brothers Yield Index. It was a bunch of them that uh, Lehman became, you know, the, one of the largest investment banking firms in the world, number fourth in the world at the time of its demise. And Dick Fold used to disallow the use of this elevator, choosing instead to protect it for himself, inconveniencing the thousands of employees in the office tower that were using these things throughout the day for his simple morning arrival and his evening departure. So he's wanted to keep space there in case he needed to leave or needed to arrive and didn't want to wait amongst the plebeians to move amongst the you know, the peasants that actually supported his oversized paycheck. About a quarter of a block away, there was Another giant icon in the insurance and financial services business, the company of AIG, a company that would later go bust, take down almost take down the financial services sector with it, and had deep pockets and a very long history. Unlike Lehman Brothers, AIG didn't quite have the reputation for being willing to stand on the spine of its employees and traders and its competitors to get ahead. AIG had been playing the long game for a very long time. Unsurprisingly, it was shepherded by an elderly man named Herb Greenberg. And Greenberg was, Hank, excuse me, Hank Greenberg. Hank Greenberg had been uh, at the tiller for AIG for many years. And he grew up in kind of the grand old days of Wall Street, back when there were actual books on the shelves of the investment bankers, and who knows whether or not they read them, but leather-walled offices and probably going back as far as the madman-type era of cigar stinking offices and so forth. But Hank Greenberg was known to be a good man. He was he was known to be somewhat of a man of the people, at old-school leadership style. And so I had another friend who wasn't in the investment business but was in the IT business, And he told me this story years later. So I was carrying this one experience of Dick Fould in my mind when this friend who was in the IT business explained to me that he had a contract with AIG, a multi-year contract, handling their network and so forth. And because he wanted to get an early, he he is an early riser, he told me the story about showing up for work and how he used to show up early, get there at about six or six thirty in the morning. And he and a couple of his other mates that were in the IT section used to get there early just to just to get stuff done, you know, to get a head start on the day, miss the traffic coming into downtown Manhattan, and of course miss the traffic in the elevators and, and all the rest. And unlike his experience at other firms, there was uh, all of the elevators were turned off until about seven AM or something. So there's only one, like a service elevator, that was open, and he used to have to show up there with his mates in his little lunch pail or what have you, and he would stand around and wait and wait in the lobby for this one elevator to service, you know, whatever it was, 70 floors or what have you, of the building and the various people coming and going. It was a pretty big bottleneck, and it always annoyed him, but it never bothered him that much. It was just like a daily annoyance, and he had to factor it into his expectations. So one morning he's standing in the lobby there together with a friend of his, and up walks, old Hank Greenberg, early in the morning, six thirty. Hank's standing there and he's saying he's wondering, "Morning, gentlemen, morning, morning." Presses the button. They're waiting and waiting, and he says, "What's going on with these elevators?" And my mate says, "Well, you know they they shut them down. They only turn them on at seven a.m. before the main traffic comes." He says, "How often does this happen?" My mate says, oh, this happens every day. This is how it is. And he said, well, that's got to be pretty annoying. And my mate and his, his friend kind of chuckled and said, yep, it gets pretty old, but, you know, that's what he says. He says, you, you do this every day? And he says, yeah, we get here every day. He said, well, what time do you typically start? They said, oh, between 6 and 6.30 in the morning. He said, I didn't know I had any. we had any employees that were starting that early. Everybody else seems to come in between 8 and 9.30, largely because the stock market only opens then. He says, well, he says, no, we come in early, we try to get get our day started and get some momentum and so forth. Finally, the the elevator opens and the three of them step in there. And as they get toward their floor, he says, I just want you to know, this is never going to happen again. I didn't understand what he was talking about. He said, no employee of mine will ever will ever have to wait to get into work because of something in this building. Anybody that wants to show up early for work needs to have work easy for them. And the two guys, my mate and his friend, said, oh, thank you, that'll be that'll be a real upgrade, you know, save us 20 minutes or whatever every morning. And he said, this will be fixed by tomorrow morning, and I'll meet you here. Fast forward the next day, and sure enough, 6.15, whatever the time was, 6, fifteen six thirty in the morning, my friend standing in around the corner comes old Hank Greenberg and he just, he, he, excuse me, he walks in, and there Hank Greenberg is standing in the lobby. And he says, good morning, gentlemen. Your, your elevators are ready for you. There is an old rule in business to always make it easy for someone to do business with you. Always make it easy for people to give you money. Make it easy for them to find you. Make it easy for them to learn about you and your products. But what's overlooked is making it easy for your team to do good work. Make it easy for those that are selling you their time and their lives in hourly increments. Make it easy for them to do good work. Make, them easy, make it easy for them to do more work, to do better work, and to do it more efficiently. That seems to me that it should be a rule. AIG went bust in the financial crisis. By now it's known to all. But it was bailed out was bailed out by the U.S. Treasury and uh, Hank Paulson. Hank Paulson had, of course, been the CEO at Goldman Sachs, just, again, diagonally opposite and slightly down the street. Directly, uh, Goldman Sachs offices were directly across the road from my own, and there's stories I'll share with you another time. Hank Paulson was sitting at the helm and largely the one deciding who was bailed out and who wasn't. AIG was bailed out by U.S. taxpayers' money. Now, whether you think that was moral or ethically right or a good idea financially or anything else, we'll set aside for now. I certainly have my own opinions. But AIG endured and was saved by U.S. taxpayers. Lehman Brothers was not. The reputation that Dick Fuld had all up and down Wall Street was of a mean, extremely competitive, vicious person to try to get on the other side of a trade with. He was somebody that clearly needed others to lose for him to feel like he was getting ahead. Dick Fold changed the face of Lehman Brothers and from 1994 to 2008, he stood at the helm. Now, bear this in mind. Lehman Brothers went bust on September 16, 2008. They announced their bankruptcy to the world on a Sunday afternoon. Dick fold stood at the helm of a company that had been in existence for 158 years. Lehman Brothers had survived a civil war, uh, two world wars, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the September 11th attacks. It had survived a global banking crisis of 1919, a depression of 1870, two presidential assassinations, numerous political tumultuous periods, Watergate, the Iran-Contra issue, the inflation of the 1970s and 18% mortgage rates. Lehman had survived all of these things, but the recession that officially began in May of 2008 bankrupted his company in less than six months. We can be aggressive and we can be competitive, but we have to be extremely careful about how we move through the world. We never know Who will be our enemy one day, whose help we will need tomorrow? You get to make that choice. As an entrepreneur, you are the tone at the top. You're the leader. You will be the one who sets the culture that will cascade throughout your business, throughout your practices, whatever it is that you're in business with. And that will be reflected every single day on the smiling, frowning, grumpy, or positive faces of those that you empower as their leader. This will reach your clients, your customers, your buyers, your patients, your patrons. They will feel this. Your culture will permeate everything you do. And someday, you may need Hank Paulson to look back on his experience of working with you and say, You're a good guy. You're a good lady. We're going to step in and do what we can to resurrect this iconic, multi-generational Lehman Brothers type company. Two different leadership styles, same industry, same outcome, very different results. You get to pick your own. That's it for this episode. Thanks for being here. Hey, there's only two things that you have in your life, your time and your attention, that you've given both to me for these few minutes of today, means everything. Cheers.